I would like you to open your Bibles with me this morning to the Old Testament book of Exodus. We are continuing in a sermon series that we've been in for a little while now. Um, we're focused on the Ten Commandments. And this morning we are looking at the Ninth Commandment. And the Ninth Commandment from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse number 16, simply reads like this. It says, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. That's what we're looking at today. We can actually look at this verse and we can say, you know, it says, thou shall not lie. And that's the point of this that we're going to look at deeply this morning. This command, it sounds simple enough, right? It, it, it just tell the truth. But it has to be one of the easiest and the most commonly broken commandments in our culture. It might be the most commonly broken commandment in our lives. How simple is it to just tell the truth? Let's start with this. In order for our discussion to kind of make sense, we'll get on the same page, the same page of definition. Let's go to Webster, see what Webster says. Webster says that lying is to make a statement that one knows is false, to give a false impression or action or a false statement, especially with an intent to deceive or to make a false statement in order to evade the truth. That's what our definition of lying is. That's, that's what God is telling us in this ninth commandment, thou shalt not lie. You don't falsely testify against your neighbor. And, and we talked about this last week in some of the other commandments. Why would God put this in the, the ten? There's, there's ten commandments. He puts it in there because it's that important. Like it is a big deal to God. I want you to know something, that in order to lie, a person must first know and acknowledge that there is a truth, right? If you're going to lie, you have to know that what you're saying is incorrect and it is deceiving somebody. So you do know the truth if you are going to lie. All lies are deliberate. There is no accidental lie. We can get into a situation of, well, what if I didn't know? Well, we're not calling that uh, a lie, but if we're purposefully uh, mis giving somebody misinformation, but, it, but it's true. No lies are accidental. They're all deliberate. And some, for some reason, we've got into this, this habit of making ourselves look better by telling somebody things that aren't necessarily true. And you know what that does? That hurts other people. Not only can it, can it hurt their feelings, it can stunt their, their growth and their, their spiritual growth. And the Bible actually addresses that. Three chapters later in Exodus, we're in Exodus uh, chapter 23, verse number 1 through 3, God talks about, Moses writes about you talking to somebody and actually telling people things that aren't true, even about somebody else. Listen to this. I know this has happened in your life. Exodus 23, verse number one, it says this. You must not pass along false rumors. You must not cooperate with evil people by lying on the witness stand. 
You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you are called to testify in a dispute, do not be swayed by the crowd to twist justice, and do not slant your testimony in favor of a person just because that person is poor. Are we starting to see a connection to a legal system now? So it's gone beyond simply lying to somebody in your home, lying to a friend. Now we can see that in our legal system, there's going to be problems. It's one thing to lie. It's another thing to lie under oath. In our culture, we have people put their hand on a Bible and swear to tell the truth, so help me God, and then they still lie. They still get up there and, and, and they, they tell mistruths. That is such a big deal about a little lie. You might think it's small. You might think it's irrelevant. But I want to show you a very big deal about a very small lie. In the opening chapters of our Bible, the opening chapters of Genesis, we learn that the very first sin was caused by a lie. It was caused by a very small lie. A serpent told Eve, you're not going to die. And that was it. Just like that. Every single sin that has happened with, in every single life comes out of that one lie. That's where it starts. It, sin started with a lie. And you say, well, it's a little white lie. It's not going to hurt anyone. <laughs> Let's look at the lie from the snake and see how many people that has hurt. Would it be fair to say that it's hurt you and I? Every single one of us. Ever since that one moment, every single person has suffered. And you think about what did Adam and Eve suffer and lose right at that moment? Well, they lost righteousness, right? They were living with God, righteous and clean, gone because of sin. That created a separation from God because of that lie that they listened to. There was a cursed environment. Before that moment, the, the ground was, was fertile. You could plant anything that you wanted. Big, giant pumpkins, award-winning squash. You know, Adam took it to the fair, blue ribbons every time. But now, cursed environment. He's trying to grow weeds for dinner. They also started to recognize shame. There was no shame before that. This is a consequence of sin. And they realized physical death. And it all started with one little lie. Because of that, we all suffer the consequences. There are dangers in misrepresenting the truth. Here's danger number one. It's point number one in your notes this morning. And for those of you online, your sermon notes are online this morning. You can find those on our website at parisvalleycc.com. It's about in the middle of the page. Click that and you can print them, on, them, them out. Point number one in your notes this morning is when you lie, people believe you. Chances are people will believe you when you're telling them a mistruth. And, and it makes sense, right? That's the purpose of telling this lie. 
is that you want people to believe you. You want somebody else to walk away from the conversation with a belief that is not honest. That's the goal. That's dangerous. That's really dangerous. There are little lies that you probably grew up with believing and sometime in maybe if you're like me in your mid-30s you realize that the idea of a guy with presents coming down a chimney isn't really um, it's more of a fairy tale maybe early 40s but you find out okay so this is fictional but what if at that young age a child is told you know what it's okay to play with matches that's all right don't worry about it it's cool when you purposefully misrepresent the truth, there's a good chance that somebody is going to believe what you say. And that's dangerous. You might say, well, isn't that the point of a lie, is to misrepresent the truth so that I can control the situation? Yeah, I know that's the, that is the, the intent of the lie, but what God is saying, He is saying, that's the danger that I'm trying to protect you from with this commandment. He says, I know where this goes. I know what happens. Don't do it to others because, see, the Ten Commandments aren't only for you. A lot of us will sit here and listen to this sermon and say, okay, I, you know, how, I'm, I'm not supposed to lie. But, but you know what it also does? It's protecting you from other people because they're not supposed to be doing it to you either. See, if everyone in the covenant community were following these rules, we wouldn't have mistruth to worry about. We do. But God asked us not to lie, not simply for you not to lie, but for others not to misrepresent the truth to you. Back in the day when uh, children traveled with their parents by train, there was a mother and her child who got onto the train, and, and mom knew that if you're under five years old, you don't have to pay for this ticket. And so mom told, have you ever done this? Mom told the little one, hey, tell them you're five. Who's done that with the kids' menu, right? Be like, yeah, just, you know, just, you kind of look nine, right? So mom and, and this little one get onto the train, and so the train's going down, and the conductor comes by, takes the ticket from mom, and says, hey there, youngster, how old are you? And, and he wants to do what mom says. He says, I'm five. Doesn't have to pay. Conductor just moves on, starts taking other tickets. About two hours into the train ride, conductor's walking by and just talking to people, and he takes a knee right in front of this little man and just starts up a conversation. Wouldn't it be neat if the conductor of the train came up to you and sat down, put his hat on your head, and, and just said hello? And he starts talking to him. He's like, hey, do you have any pets? He says, hey, how do you like your train ride? And then he says, so when do you turn six? The little boy says, I turn six about the time this train stops. Just... <laughs> That's the moment I turned six. I've already turned six. If you read through the book of Proverbs, you're going to find many instances where the authors talk about truth, talk about wisdom. One of the verses in Proverbs from chapter 19, verse number five, it reads like this. It says, A false witness will not go unpunished, nor will a liar escape? Lies will catch up with us. 
Lies will catch up with others. Just a few chapters later, the author uh, talks to his readers and he talks about the damage that lies do to other people. We're in Proverbs chapter 25. Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe, wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. You say, wow, telling lies to somebody is as harmful as hitting them with an axe? That's physical pain. That's physical harm. Yeah, because we never know. You never know. Let me ask you. You think about a time when you were deceived. It's almost like being hit with an axe, right? It's almost like being wounded. What do we say? We use this term, they stabbed me in the back, right? Here it is, Proverbs. It says, wounding them with a sword. What does it say about us if we know the harm but then we continue to misrepresent the truth. People have lost their lives because of lies. People have lost their children in custody battles because of lies. People have lost their freedom because of lies and misrepresentations of the truth. How many times have we seen it? It seems like every other week on the news there is somebody who is getting out of jail because they have been they were wrongly convicted 25 years ago. They have spent a quarter of their life in a cell and somebody lied on the stand and they have paid for that with their freedom. When you lie, somebody is possibly going to believe you. Point number two in your notes is this, is that when, you, uh, when our witness becomes a lie, we are misrepresenting God. When your witness becomes a lie, we are misrepresenting God. Let's not fool ourselves today and think that lying is only for sinners and think that it's only for those who are just the, the lowest form of life in our lives, right? Let's not fool ourselves to think that those who are saved by the grace of God and, and have, been, have tasted His salvation have nothing but truthfulness in their minds and in their tongues, on their tongues at all times. As a Christian, however, you are held to a higher standard. We know this command. We are held to this command. One other thing that you hear me say constantly is that you and I, we are the salt and the light in our city. To reach Paris for Christ from within Paris, that's one of our, our church missions. But what happens when we misrepresent the truth as we shine Jesus on other people, we're trying to shine a light for Christ, but we are misrepresenting the truth. What if our witness is tainted now because people can't believe us? 
If people get to the point to where they can't believe you on simple life surface matters, they're certainly not going to believe you on matters of eternal destiny. That's why our witness is so important, even in the things that we feel don't matter. Does it matter? Yeah, it matters. You know why? Because somebody has trust in you, and they're trusting you for honest direction for their eternity. It's probably one of the easiest ways that we can misrepresent God is to misrepresent the truth. Because when people can't trust your witness, then would it be fair to say that we are an ineffective disciple for Christ? In order to properly evangelize, our witness must be truthful and honest. Mark Twain said this. He said at one point that the difference between a person who tells the truth and one who tells lies is that a liar has to have a better memory. In the Bible, Cain tried to lie to God. God knew. Abraham told lies to Pharaoh. God knew. Ananias lied to Peter in Acts chapter 5, and it cost him his life. And God knew you cannot hide your lie from God. That's not possible. I want you to see what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. We're in Colossians chapter 3. We're in verse number 9. Paul writes this, Do not lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old shameful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn and you know your creator. And watch this, become like him. How can we become like Christ if we continue to live like the world? How can we grow closer to Christ if we walk around purposefully misleading people? Have, has anyone ever told you, I heard this a lot growing up from my dad, to slow down and think about what you're saying. You ever heard that? Oh, I heard that a lot. It's like, oh, think about what you're saying because when you don't think about what you're saying what's in control is your tongue in your mind what is out of control now and has no control is your heart and god what if before we opened our mouth and we spoke what if we asked ourselves if what we are about to say violates the ninth commandment we just step back Okay, that's my tongue, that's my mouth, wants to say something. Does this violate the ninth commandment? Well, it's pretty easy to just to, to find out, does it? We talked about the definition earlier. If it does, God knows. Your words are so important. The next danger of untruthfulness is this. Over time lies become truth in our culture. If I were to stand here and list all the lies that our culture tells men, we would be here for an entire week. 
If I were to stand here and tell you all the lies that our culture tells women, we would be here maybe for an entire month. If I were to stand here and, and tell you all of the lies that our culture tells our children, we might be here till the end of the year. See, here's the problem. If you tell somebody a lie enough times, then somebody starts to believe that. And what happens is they start to tell somebody else the same lie. And then they start convincing somebody else. And then it gets passed down to different generations. And what has happened is culture has accepted a mistruth. They have accepted truth that somebody made up. It's not real truth. It's a lie. And that is so dangerous. Can we not see firsthand right now the devastation that our culture is living through because of an alternative truth that our world is telling them? We see that. We see that everywhere in our world. How many genders are there? There are two. That is the truth. There are two. What does the world tell you? How many genders? Well, how many do you want there to be? Pick a number. We'll figure it out. We'll come up with that. See, if you tell somebody that enough times, it becomes a social truth. Social truth and biblical truth are massively different. Social truth changes. God's truth never changes. I want you to see what the Apostle Paul writes in the book of Romans, and we're in chapter 1, and this is going to be deep. And we're going to read a, a few verses, so I want you to stay with me, okay? We're in Romans chapter 1, verse number 18. Paul writes this, But God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people, watch this, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Again, they know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became, watch this, dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth of God for a lie. 
That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. I didn't write the book, ladies and gentlemen. This is God's word. God's truth never changes. There's something so important in those verses. It said, they traded the truth for a lie. You know what it takes to trade something? In order to trade something, you have to have something to begin with, right? So in order to trade the truth for, the, for a lie, it means that you had to have had the truth. That you know the truth. They didn't forcefully, it wasn't forcefully taken from them. That's theft. We dealt with that in another commandment. When you trade something, it means you have something that you willingly give and you take something that somebody else gave you. You exchanged, in this case, the truth for a lie. I want to bring this home for a moment. I don't want us to get the impression that Romans chapter 1 and this commandment in Exodus is simply for somebody else. It's easy to think that. No, we've, we've all lied. And I wonder what truth have we traded for a lie? What truth that God has told us over and over and over and over and over again are we trading for a lie? God's truth doesn't change. It's the same yesterday as it is today as it's going to be tomorrow. God's going to teach our grandchildren the same thing that He's teaching us right now. It is not going to change. It is written. It is fixed. What truth might you be struggling to accept so that you can hold on to something that is eternally worthless? The Bible says that the Bible says that you do know who God is and you can see his qualities and that you know the truth. It's this point in the sermon that some people are going to ask, well, Pastor, what about, what about, what about people in, in our world who don't have a Bible? What about people who haven't heard about Jesus? And it's a great question. My response is this. This scripture is not about them. This scripture is about us. Amen? Amen. This scripture is about you. This scripture is about me. You have a Bible. I have a Bible. We know the truth. You can't say that you don't have access to the truth. If anyone in this room or anyone watching online does not have access to a Bible, let me know. I will give you a Bible. I will give you 10 Bibles absolutely free. You have access to the truth. 
You don't get to make truth up. That's not our job, to make up what we want to believe. We don't live, in a, we don't live under a God that says, make it all up. What's true for you might not be true for you, but what's true for you might not be true for you, and it's fine. It's all okay. God said, I wrote the truth. It's not for you to adjust. You don't have to like it, but this is the truth. Don't let anyone lie to you, God says. He says, I've transferred this truth. I've given it to you, you and I. It's been given to you and I in in pages of a book. We can find it on our phones. You go back generations, it was on papyrus, it was in codex. You go before that, it was on scrolls. You go before that, and there was people who would memorize and they would tell another generation. It's been passed down from generation to generation to generation. You and I have no excuse. Someday, we will have a sermon on missions about talking to people in the world, going and finding people who don't have that. That's not this sermon. Right now we're talking about everyone who has the truth. God's word is truth. I want to tell you something else. This is point number four in your notes this morning, and this is so important. God will never lie to you. God will never lie to you. You want to talk about faithfulness and honesty? Who is the most faithful and honest person that you know in your life? There's somebody that you look up to. There's somebody that you say, I can go to them with anything because they are faithful, they are honest to me. Let me tell you something about them. They have lied in their life at some point. The most honest person you know is still a liar compared to God. God will never lie to you. There are 7 billion people living on the earth right now. 7 billion. And scientists say that if you were to go and add up all the people who have ever lived in every generation, all the way back to the original two, Adam and Eve, they would say that we're looking at over 100 billion people who have been on earth. Let me tell you something. God has never lied to a single one of them. 100 billion people faithfulness and a God that will not lie his promises hold fast his qualities hold true Proverbs chapter 30 verse number 5 it says this it says every word of God proves true he is a shield to all who come to him for protection A few chapters later, or a a book later in Psalms chapter 12, verse 6, it says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. God's word is fixed. It is true. There was a little boy who called his mother to the kitchen window one day. He was looking out the window and he said, Mom, come here, come here, look, there's a bear out in the backyard. And mom came and looked out there and she says, that's not a bear. She says, that's Mr. Smith's dog from next door. She says, now I want you to go to your room and pray to God and ask him for forgiveness for telling a lie. 
The boy went to his room and he came back later downstairs and, and mom said, she said, did you go and did you ask God to forgive you? And the little boy says, yeah, I did. And God said that it was okay because the first time he saw Mr. Smith's dog, he thought he was a bear too. <laughs> There's one more important scripture that I want to look at with you this, this morning. It's from Hebrews chapter 6. We're in verse number 16. It says this, Now when people take an oath, they call on somebody greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because, watch this, it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is strong and trustworthy, a trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone there for us. He has become our eternal high priest. God cannot lie. What does that give us? That gives us confidence. How much confidence do we have in even the most honest person in our life? Would it be fair to say it's not 100%? They're human too. We can't say God is human too. We say that God will never lie to us. I know there's someone in your life who has lied to you. Someone has told you that you are worthless. Someone has told you that you're no good. Someone has told you that you're never going to amount to anything. Somebody has told you that in order for people to love you, you need to look exactly like the models in the magazine. Somebody has told you that nobody is ever going to love you. Somebody has told you, men, that you're never going to be a man unless you can hold your liquor and unless you just treat women like they're your own personal property. Somebody's told you that. I don't know who told you that, but I know who didn't tell you that. God did not tell you that. The truth that God has told you is that he gives you strength and he will increase the power of the weak. The truth that God has told you is that is not to fear because he is with you and that he will uphold you with his hand, his righteous right hand. What God has told you is that if you feel, if you lack wisdom, to ask him for wisdom and he will give it to you abundantly. What God has told you that is that if you submit yourself to God and you resist the devil, Satan will flee from you. 
What God has told you is that if we confess our sins and he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, what God has told you is that you are loved. What God has told you is that you mean so much to him. What God has told you is that no matter what this world says about you, you are his child. What God has told you is that whoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. What God has told you is that if his people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, he says, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them, he says, from heaven, and I will forgive them their sins, and I will heal their land. That is the truth that God has told you. Amen? Amen. What is the big deal about a little lie? Unlike this world, God will never lie to you and that is the gospel truth Jesus is here and he's here to listen he will never leave you you are never alone you are God's child who he dearly loves You know what? You, you are beautiful. You are amazing in God's eyes. You're amazing in my eyes. You're amazing in each other's eyes. The brothers and sisters in Christ. You are somebody very, very special. Your Lord will never lie to you. Others will. They will. But you know what we can be walking out of here today? We can make sure we're not the ones that others are looking at as somebody who is spreading mistruths. We are ones who are walking out of here today knowing that our word is our witness. What we say about casual things can affect what we say about eternal things. Is a little lie a big deal? Yeah, it's a really big deal. Let's pray.